Me and a friend, yep. uh, three years ago, we was down there having a drink or drink with John. Yep. We heard some noises. We thought, what was that? We walked out to the stairs, point blank on the stairs, there it was. The incubus. Incubus. This Grade 2 listed building is regularly placed at the top of lists of the most haunted places in not just the UK, but the entire world. An 800-year-old former inn, so lost to malevolent spirits, that the once Bishop of Gloucester, the Reverend John Yates, is said to have been brought in to try and exorcise the building. He failed, and was quoted in the Western Daily Press as saying it is the evilest place I have ever had the misfortune to visit. Built over a burial ground dating back to around 3000 BC, this site may also have borne witness to human sacrifice. Could these be the reasons why this building is so active? Let us enter a place so dark, so dangerous, that this certainly isn't going to be an episode for the faint of heart. Tonight, join me as we investigate the ancient Ram Inn. Welcome to episode 6 of How Haunted, a weekly paranormal podcast where each episode we explore the horrible history and terrifying ghost stories of one of the most haunted places on planet Earth. I'm Rob Kirkup, author, paranormal historian and ghost hunter from the northeast of England. Allow me to be your guide as we dare to investigate in depth the often dark and troubled history of each location and of course the chilling tales of the ghosts that reside within. This week we head to Gloucestershire and ask the question, just how haunted is the ancient Ram Inn? Listener discretion is advised, as each episode of How Haunted will feature gruesome tales, horrific happenings, bloody murder, and ghosts. So many ghosts. Listen on if you dare. In the south of England, in the county of Gloucestershire, right on the southern edge of the Cotswolds, lies an incredibly old inn, found in the beautiful market town of Watton Under Edge. The ancient Ram Inn is the oldest building in the town, being built in 1145 as a keeping house for slaves and workers who were constructing the local St Mary's Church. After they left, it became the home of a priest, and in the near 900 years since, it has served all manner of owners and purposes. By 1968, the building was in the possession of the Whitbread Brewery and was already gaining a reputation for being haunted. However, the building was very run down, with wooden beams rotting and dry stone walling falling apart and crumbling. The building was scheduled to be demolished as part of a plan by the council to widen the road running outside. However, it was saved by a former train driver named John Humphreys who bought the ancient ram in for £2,600. 
John Humphreys dedicated his life to restoring and preserving the inn. He converted it from a pub into a bed and breakfast, and he lived there from the point of purchase in the building in 1968 through to his passing in December 2017. He made a number of changes, one of which was redirecting the water beneath the property, and it's been written by a number of sources that some believe that this led to a portal for dark energy to open up beneath the ancient ram inn. It seems no matter what entered the building during John's restoration of the inn, dangerous spirits were already present as during John's very first night alone in the building, he claims he was in bed when something grabbed his arm and dragged him out of his bed across the room. This would have most people flee in the building and begging the council to knock it down to make the road wider, but not John. He continued with his restoration and grew to accept and live with his otherworldly guests. Being dragged from his bed was a regular recurrence, but it stopped when he put an enormous wooden crucifix up in the room. Another object he hung up in the inn was an antique painting of the 18th century pastor John Wesley. He hung it in the stairwell, but this stirred up even more activity, if that's possible. All the windows in the inn had banging at them, and doors, some of which had never been opened for years, would open suddenly, then slam shut. The family dog wouldn't go near the stairwell, whimpering and cowering, unwilling to follow anybody upstairs. The painting was quickly taken down. In the decades to follow, John was terrorised in his bedroom by a poltergeist who kept banging on his window. The banging on the window never really ceased, but it moved from the window in this room to a different room. It all got too much for John's wife and their daughter Caroline, who simply refused to live at the ancient ram inn any longer and they moved out. This left John there all alone, but he never once thought about leaving, even though it kept him apart from his family. Apparent evidence of ritual human sacrifice and devil worship were discovered during the renovations, with the skeletal remains of children found beneath the staircase, rusty knives found in amongst their skeletal remains. This wasn't the only time human remains were uncovered. Almost 30 years later, in July 1997, in an area named the Men's Kitchen, a group of paranormal investigators local to the area were at the ancient ram in late one night. There had long been a rumour of a sealed cellar beneath the concrete floor, and John gave them permission to search for it. They started to smash away the concrete from an area of the floor, but instead of finding the cellar, they found something completely unexpected. They found a shallow grave containing the remains of a woman and a child. Within their bodies were broken pieces of iron. Unsure what these may have been, they were passed to the Bristol Museum, who determined that they would once have been part of an iron dagger, and they put forward the suggestion that it is likely the unfortunate, unknown pair could have been killed with this very dagger as part of a ritual sacrifice. Incidentally, the ghost hunters who uncovered this crashed their car after leaving the ancient ram in that very night. Pure coincidence, I'm sure. John lived in this building for almost 50 years, and lost count of the times he was attacked by the malevolent spirits that see it as their home, not his. In more recent years, it has been used exclusively as a location for paranormal investigations and tours. This appears to be partially down to the owner saying that the angry spirits within had made it far too dangerous for those booking to stay overnight, especially those unaware of the additional guests that maybe wouldn't have given them the peace and quiet that they may have expected, and partially due to the enormous demand from paranormal investigators wishing to experience just what lies in wait for them at the ancient Ram Inn. Every room in the inn is believed to be haunted, with horrors lurking behind every door. Throughout the entire building, the sound of children's crying and screaming has been heard, with some believing that these are the restless cries of the poor youngsters who were found beneath the staircase, possible victims of human sacrifice. One particular girl is seen, as well as heard, and the name Rosie has been associated with her. The witch's room is a first floor bedroom named for a woman falsely accused of witchcraft sometime in the 15th century, although some sources state this was the 16th. She came to the ancient ram seeking refuge, but it didn't work and she was caught and burnt at the stake. Her spirit remains in the room in which she attempted and failed to escape her unjust end. 
She is one of the friendlier ghosts in the building, but doesn't react well to being called a witch. She has appeared to many visitors in the room, manifesting as a full-bodied apparition. The witch's room is also, aptly, home to a black cat. However, it appears this feline phantom has no relation to the witch, but is instead the mummified cat that John Humphreys found inside a wall within this room. This most likely stems from an ancient tradition across Europe of placing the body of a cat inside the wall of a newly constructed building. This would bring good omens and banish evil spirits. Passers-by see the ghost of a young girl looking out the window of the room, although she appears so solid that many have no idea that she isn't actually alive today. Her identity is unknown, but she smiles and waves to everybody who looks up to her. The next bedroom on the first floor is the most haunted room in the building, and was the room that John chose as his bedroom. It is known as the Bishop's Room. There's believed to be no less than nine restless spirits here, and let's start with the least harmful, the ghost of a friendly cavalier King Charles Spaniel, seen happily wandering around the room, wagging its tail, most commonly in one corner of the room. Two plumbers were working here one day, oblivious to what makes this in a far more hazardous working environment from their typical jobs. They were working away when they were terrified out of the building by what was described as a Roman centurion on horseback appearing through one of the walls. In keeping with the name of the room, a number of religious ghosts are seen here. Bishops and nuns have been witnessed, as well as a more worrying figure described as a dark monk. The bed is lifted several feet from the ground before crashing back to the floor. A screaming man has been heard, and psychics to the ancient ram have picked up on a man who had his head pushed into the lit fireplace, and have linked the screams to him. A sighting which wouldn't be out of place in The Exorcist is that of a young woman seen entering the room from the ceiling, head first, hanging upside down by her legs. Some believe that devil worship occurred in this room, but there's no evidence to back that up. However, that may account for the most horrific residents we're going to encounter on our tour of the ancient Ram Inn, by far. The bishop's room is home to an incubus, a male sex demon, who John shared his bed with, and he was raped by on several occasions. It's said to be this particular resident of the building that has actually had people jumping out of the first floor window to escape becoming its next victim. This is why the ancient ram can no longer function as a bed and breakfast. The highest point of the ancient ram in is the attic, known as the weaver's attic. This was converted into a bedroom for John's daughter Caroline, and of course is crammed full of spooks and spectres. People in the bishop's room below have heard the sound of something being dragged across the floor of the attic above. Indistinguishable shadowy figures move swiftly in the darkness here, and whispering is heard frequently. It's been written that the daughter of a previous owner, dating back to around the 1500s, was murdered in the attic when she was hung from a rafter. The men's kitchen, which we mentioned earlier as being the location where the woman and child's remains were found when the floor was dug up, is another room which is said to be an unpleasant place. On one of the many paranormal investigations here, an 18-year-old man was thrown against a wall and then pinned there in place, unable to move. On another occasion, the figure of a woman rose up through the kitchen floor, right in front of a young couple, who ran out of there as quickly as their legs could carry them. This woman may, or may not, have been the woman whose remains were uncovered here. Either way, this woman is believed to be named Elizabeth. The Mayflower Barn is a much more modern addition to the inn, being built sometime in the 18th and 19th century. Despite this, it's just as active as the rest of the ancient Ram. There are two main spirits reported to reside here. One is a male who has a particular interest in female visitors, and in particular blondes. He has been reported to grope their behind and even their breasts. The other is a dark figure with no distinguishable features, but he's incredibly tall, standing at around seven feet. He most commonly appears in the entrance to the barn, and those who've seen him have said he appears gradually, and when he disappears it happens the same way. 
as he slowly dissolves away to nothing. He is drawn to men, especially those who he feels threatened by, and he pushes them around, letting them know they're not welcome, and on some occasions he has been more forceful, giving them a punch or a kick. The ancient Ramin has featured on Great British Ghosts, Ghost Adventurers, and Most Haunted to name a few. The Barn was the highlight of UK paranormal show Most Haunted's investigation at the ancient Ramin, when one of the team, Stu, was actually attacked by something which may well have been this particular entity who seems to stand guard over the Mayflower Barn. Here is the audio from that particular incident. You'll hear Carl speaking initially, followed by the unmistakable voice of the late Derek Acora. Then all hell breaks loose as you hear what happens to Stu. I feel like I'm waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Do you know know what I mean? Yeah, I I do. Yeah. And I don't know, but I don't know what. I've got no. I've got no reason to think that. Stuart had it, Stuart had it. Okay, we're safe. Where is Stu? Stu! I've got you. No help! I've got you, son. Stu! Stu! No! Hey! Hey, Pick him up, get him up. Get him up now. I can't! Yes, you can. John, can you hold the camera? Come on. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, Stuart. We're here. I'm here. Carl's here. Sam's here. Don't move me! Yeah, come on. Stu, Stu. I can't! You can. You can, you can, you can. Calm down, Stu. Calm, 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 calm. No. Stu, right, stand on him. Stand on him, buddy. Your chest. You're fine. Oh, no. Okay, okay. Stu, right. right. do you hurt? Do you hurt? Your legs okay? Stop my chest. Yes, I know. Something's just done. Oh, okay. Stu? Stu, you know where you are? Let's get him outside, shall we? Try and get him outside. Let me stay stay. I felt him being walloped the second time. He was hit fully in the chest and the ribs here. Ryan, out loud. Was that a a physical blow? Yes. Yeah, I came over it and it knocked me back and got him again. Are you okay now, Stu? I know there are a number of schools of thought when it comes to Most Haunted. Whether the evidence that the show produces should be taken at its face value, or whether we should accept it as nothing more than the entertaining television show that it is. Either way, this incident was fascinating and terrifying in equal measure. The ancient Ramin makes news in the national media on a regular basis, and it's fascinating to see these first-hand accounts from the owners talking of their own experiences in their terrifying home. In 2013, Caroline Humphreys told the Daily Mail, When I was a child, I was so scared of the house that I used to sleep in a caravan outside. It was normal for us to see people running out of the house screaming in terror. Once, I woke up and found a chest of drawers hovering above my bed before it crashed down the staircase. We used to hear the ghosts of murdered children screaming and crying in one of the bedrooms. We put some children's toys in the room for them to play with, and they don't cry as much anymore. The whole house is absolutely terrifying. Paranormal experts love staying here, but we just couldn't carry on running the house as a normal bed and breakfast. It's just too haunted. She concluded the interview by saying, I don't think we'll ever be able to sell the house. No one in their right mind would buy it. In January 2016, Caroline spoke to the Daily Star as they ran a story about John Humphreys as he was in poor health and requiring care. But care workers from the council wouldn't enter his home 
because of the screaming ghosts of children frightening them out of the building whenever they came to see him. She said, The carers have said that they hear things moving around and their clothes have been tugged. They also feel sudden cold drafts. Council chiefs have had to provide additional funding so that carers would go into the terrifying old inn in pairs. Since John's passing in 2017 at the age of 89, the ancient Ram Inn is now in the ownership of his daughter Caroline, and they operate regular investigations that anyone brave enough can buy a ticket to join. Does the ancient Ram Inn live up to its reputation the world over as being one of the scariest places on earth? Let's hear from someone who dared to spend a night at the inn earlier this year and survived to tell me all about it. I was delighted to get the chance to talk to Emma from Weird Wiltshire and you can hear everything that she had to tell me next on How Haunted. everybody and I'm so glad to have Emma Heard here, my first ever poll to guest from the Weird Wiltshire website. Hiya Emma. Hi, thank you for having me Rob, I'm honoured. <laughs> no, it's no problem whatsoever, thank you for coming along. Um, and let's get straight into it. I know that anybody listening to this will already know that this episode's all about the ancient Ram Inn. And Emma, yeah. earlier this year, was back in May? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very Friday bravely. 13. Oh, Friday the 13th as well, so yeah, even braver. Stepping over that threshold into that building that I'll have already talked about on the podcast at this point. The question that I've got coming into this straight off for you is, do you believe in ghosts? Okay, so it's a tricky one because there's part of me that wants to say yes, having had a lifelong interest in the paranormal and all things strange and weird and having had lots of my own experiences. But equally, the more you delve into it, the more you realize that our brains are funny things. They can do weird things to us. Our environments are can affect what we see, what we hear, what we think, and we can have false memories. So I do think that, yes, there is something out there, but what is it? I still don't know. So I, my phrase that I use is, I'm a sceptical believer. Sceptical believer. Of, yes. Yeah. Okay, I mean, that, that, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And you're right, I mean, I, I suppose I'm giving everybody a little bit of a glimpse behind the curtain on me as well, but I'm kind of at the same place as you, I guess. I'm open-minded. I've seen things and heard things that I can't rationalise away. But at the same time, I've spent entire evenings in some of the places that are supposed to be the most haunted place in the country, if not the world, with nothing mm. happening. So, yeah. All right. Okay. So going into the ancient Ram Inn. Yeah. What happened? How did your evening go? Okay. So, um, like I say, lifelong interest in this subject, but I've never actually been on a ghost hunt because um, I'm more of a storyteller and a writer. So I decided it was time to get out from behind the laptop and stop going out in the daytime daylight, which is not very scary, and actually go on an organized ghost hunt and um, drag my brother along, Simon, all the way from Brighton, and two friends came with me, Rash and Steve. Yeah. And we thought, where are we going to go? Let's choose probably one of the most terrifying buildings in the whole country, of course, because why not? So we booked it up and we went with an organized tour because we thought at least they're going to give us some guidance. They're going to have, yeah. if we want to use equipment, they're likely to have it. Um, and then 
I booked Friday the 13th because again, I don't know what I was thinking on that particular day, but there you go. So we went along. Um, it's an amazing old building and I, I love history as well as anything ghostly. Yeah, me too. Um, and there's this, it's a drafty little old inn and it hasn't been touched or done up, I would think, since the 60s. So before you even, you know, before you even step in the door, there's an atmosphere to the place. Yeah. Um, just because of its kind of neglected look. Um, and we went there. There was a, probably about 20 of us. It was with Haunted Happenings. And I have to say, they were really good. I think as far as sort of ghost tour groups go, they're probably one of the more reliable ones. Yep, yep. Um, they brought us into what was the living room to start with. And that was supposed to be one of the least active places and explain that it was a bit of what I'd call organized fun. So we were mm -hmm. going to be split into groups and we were going to do different activities throughout the night and, yeah. and have some free time in between. Um, we all went in with our skeptics hats on, um, but equally all open-minded. And um, what time did it, it start? About 10 o'clock in the evening. And um, yeah, so the first thing they took us through to, they, they gave us a bit of history about the place, but I mean, I already knew that because I'd already read up on it. Yeah. And you probably have, you've covered that as well. I have um, done. I mean, it's, um, yeah. the history of the place is incredible. And looking at the photographs of it, you're right. I mean, I, externally, I don't think it's changed since the 60s. I mean, in the no. 60s, it was scheduled to be demolished by the council to make the road wider. Until That's it right. was bought, and it, it looks as though work was done to make the building stable, but it's still got the look of a place that, dare I say, looks like it could just collapse at any moment, you know? It's, yeah. uh, especially from the outside. And I mean, I think that's what gives it the, the charm that it clearly has. And it yeah, certainly helps I mean, from a spooky building point of view. Yeah, it's you don't see many of these sort of rundown buildings no. in our country anymore because some property developers come along and snapped it up. Yeah. So, but I remember these sort of places from my childhood, you know, you'd get these rambling old places that had never been done up. And so it instantly reminded me of sort of going back in time. Um, there were actually even holes in the wall, you know, it was that yeah. you wouldn't want to stay there on a cold night. So, and the other thing is inside, once you go in, so the previous owner, John, who'd had it since the 60s, had yeah. obviously been a bit of a hoarder. And I think when he died, his daughter had cleaned a lot of the clutter out. But there were still lots of horrible and macabre little things around, lots of taxidermy and mummified cats and crosses on the wall and weird little doll creatures. So... Before, as you even get in the door, you're already like, oh, look at all that, look at this, look at that. So you're oh, perfect for a haunted house, though, isn't it? Yes, yes, it does. If it was all beautifully done up, you know, Instagram fabulous, mm -hmm. certainly wouldn't have the same atmosphere. Yeah, I think looking at the ancient Ram Inn, it's the kind of building that even if you didn't believe in ghosts, you'd say this place is haunted. It's creepy, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> And it's musty and it's a bit of a rabbit warren and it could do with, dare I say, it could do with a good clean. So, yeah, the instant you go in there, you're ready for, almost ready for sort of potential ghosts. I mean, they started the night, they said, we're going to, they explained a bit about it and a bit about the equipment we were going to use. And some of it is this more what I call modern technology, like these voice boxes which I, I, I'm not really necessarily on board with, but some of it was really simple. Um, so little life up cat toys. So you can't really, I don't know, dispute if they're gonna light up. Uh, yeah, it was always a bit, my, my friend Rash, he's a radio and he's an engineer and he specializes in putting in um, nurse call systems in, in old people's homes. Okay, and yeah, yeah. So he's got a really good idea of how these sort of things work. 
-hmm. and he had a look at these cat balls and we tried to set them off when we had free time and they do not go off unless somebody touches them okay and we had so we had a really good look at some of the equipment beforehand to see if we could if it would could possibly be set up um again that's that skeptical part of us yeah no totally on the same um, page yeah so the, they started the vigil in this old barn and it's very drafty there's a massive fireplace down one end and they had us all around a table and they started by sort of using uh I think it's a voice box and calling out to spirits and there was lots of white noise but there were words coming out between in between and there were some intelligent responses okay um there was also a lot of some slightly weird laughing coming through that's not what you want to hear that's terrifying yeah and babies and crying not... and laughing they're the two things yeah, I, like... I don't <laughs> want to hear yeah <laughs> and this one particular voice that sticks in my memory had a, an American accent. I okay, that's interesting. Don't know where that came from. Um, and again, one of the things that Rash said through the night is he wasn't even talking. The voice box was on, and he'd said to Steve something funny, and the voice box had actually laughed at his joke. Oh, and that's Christ. when he stepped back and went, "Oh, that's a bit weird." Yeah, that's not nice. You could say that's a coincidence. You could say you could that say. there were a lot, a lot of these coincidences. Mm. And we were all sat still. There was enough light in the barn because there were the ramen is on a street and there were street lights. So mm -hmm. you've got enough sort of um, light to be able to see that people weren't moving around. And these balls were going off occasionally on command, you know, touch a ball and one would go off. And they weren't anywhere near anyone else. We weren't moving. Um, and it was in this barn actually my it was my brother simon who was sat there and he sort of whispered in my ear and he said there's someone standing behind us in the door but simon's quite a sensitive creature he's not i wouldn't say psychic um i think it runs in my family but he's definitely quite intuitive mm -hmm. and he said he could feel and see someone standing in the door and I just thought he was winding me up, to be honest. But late, like as the as this sort of vigil went on, the the host said to us, "Okay, so if you want to take photos, we're fine with it. But what we find is take three in a row, and you'll quite often find two will be completely normal, and it will be on one other of the photos that you might catch something different." Yeah. And sure enough, so we did actually take some photos of that doorway. And if you look on my blog, you can see this string of photos. There was normal, normal, and then one where it just went all blurry. And you might be able to see what looked like an arm and possibly a face. Oh, okay. Photo. Again, open to interpretation. But why were two photos absolutely fine? And then the third one was completely blurred and out of focus and had these weird shapes on it. It's and that was where Simon yeah. said, this, he felt he could see this figure standing watching us. It's funny you say that because on my first Patreon episode of Chillingham Castle, which will be out by the time this goes out, mm. one of the first things that happened to me when I was there was I took three photos in a row and the third photo was completely different to the others. It was as if there was a mist in the room with her. And the first two yeah. photos, like I took them one, two, three, split second apart and the first two were perfectly fine. So that's interesting yeah. that it was on the third one for you as well. Okay. And throughout the night, we had people did take other photos and there were quite a few strange sort of shadows and anomalies. And I know that orbs are very um, disputed in the paranormal world. And I would say 99% of me thinks they're dust. Yeah. But some of them move in a very weird and strange way and you catch two without any dust motes or orbs whatever you want to call them the third there would be something on there yeah and it's... when they're fired off in quick succession dust doesn't move that quickly insects possibly yeah, yeah. could be insects. there's a there's a, certain, there's a school of thought that if it isn't dust a lot of these are insects which are why they move in the way that they move 
Right. Oh, right. Well, there you go. That's something I didn't know. So we did get another photo, and it was actually later on in that room, which is a couple of weird shapes. Now, yes, I agree with what you're saying, but these were more of a I don't know what the shape is, a rhombulus sort of shape, and they're on the carpet of the floor, okay. and they just appear in a photo. They're they're quite odd because of the way they are. They're not in one photo, and then they're there on the next one. I'll have to link your blog so, in the um, in the podcast description, so anybody listening to this right now can click on the link and go and see what you're talking about. Yeah, do have a look, and and I'm always open to suggestions. Mm-hmm. Never going to get offended. <laughs> so feel free to leave any comments if you want when you li- if you have a look at them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So this this barn's very interesting. Um. There were people saying I feel drafts, but then you know you would. There's a massive fireplace down the end, so that's always worth bearing in mind. Um, I think it was after this vigil, we went off and had a look around the building. It's a funny old place. When you go up the stairs, you have to go up sideways. The steps are so small and there's this massive wooden beam at the top, which they actually Mm. do call it the nutcracker because so many people have whacked their head on it. Is that that the staircase with a big crucifix on the wall? Yes. And it goes up to the three bedrooms. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's these bedrooms which are the most famous places for activity and the attic. Yeah, I'm excited to hear um, about this. Yeah, so we went up into the attic first. Um, that was our first sort of vigil, and they were going to do a Ouija board. Now, I'm uncomfortable with that. I'm not sure what I think about it. I don't really want to get involved, but I thought I will go up there and I'll just sit back and watch the proceedings. And we're all sort of, it's hard to explain the setup, but the Ouija board was in one bit of the loft. Then there was another room back towards the back. And that was um, where a bed, there was a bed in there. And then there was another bit that you wouldn't, you can't go in because it wasn't safe. Okay. And it was, as we were all getting seated, I saw a black shadow go across the wall, the back wall of this bedroom, it was ever so quick and at the time it didn't even really twig it, but it was a black shadow, a sort of human-y, vaguely human-y shape. Yeah, so we were up in this attic, we were all sort of getting seated before starting this seance or Ouija board, I don't know what you'd call it. Um, and I saw this shadow go across the back wall. It was very brief, literally seconds, didn't really think much of it. Now, while we were up there and we were getting seated, and at first I thought, because I am a lady of a certain age now, um, I was getting hot flushes, but then going really cold. And I am quite aware that that's one of my menopausal symptoms. But on this particular night, I hadn't had any problems up to then. And then it was, what weirded me out was actually, I said to someone else, God, I'm getting ever so hot. And the person next to me would be like, I am too, I'm sweating. And then the next thing you know, we'd be both really cold and someone over the other side of the group would be really hot mm-hmm. as well. So there was some of that going on, um, again, open to interpretation, but it was very weird that it wasn't just one person feeling it, it would be one or two. And we caught on camera a couple of shadows behind people up in that room. Okay. Um, not a lot of other activity and I might add, this house, because of its rambling sort of nature, we could hear the other group in another part of the building. So it meant that we really had to discount a lot of noise anomalies that you might have thought were rather strange um, had you been there on your own or just one or two yeah. of you. So we're quite aware of that. Um, so that was in, an interesting sort of experience um we had a break and it was simon and myself and another couple of people we were outside just having a cup of tea and simon was messing around and he had a vox app on his phone and he was just for fun he he put it on and we picked up we were just i feel a bit foolish when you talk into these apps i have to say but we were sort of like is anybody there you know how many people are with us and we got a really clear response 
five. You know, how many people are out here with us? Five. And then we started talking and we said, who are you? And I could hear the word farrier. Um, I don't know if your listeners know, but uh, farrier is somebody that shoes horses. So, um, and I had horses for 30 years, so I know quite a lot about them. So I was like, oh, the farrier, so you worked here. And I said, we, you know, asking a few questions. I said, oh gosh, the couple that probably must've been a hard life. Um, you know, where you worked hard and then we got a not so bad or some, it was, I've written it on the blog, but it wasn't not so hard. And it was a really kind of intelligent and they said farrier twice. And there was also mention of, I think we heard the word tack, which is um, the word for bridles and saddles and all the equipment that horses wear. So we felt we were talking to somebody that had probably have worked there in the past because it's an old inn. I don't know if it's necessarily a coaching inn, but most old inns of that age will have had traffic going by it was part of their trade so there's likely there could have been grooms or farriers working there yeah and i mean it's the oldest building in that village isn't it or town rather yeah it originally housed the people that were building the local church that's right yeah there would have been people building materials coming and going and obviously no cars so it would have come on horse and cart i would imagine there would definitely have been at least, if not a farrier. Also, back in those days, grooms would quite often shoe horses. So um, I do get a feeling that that's who we were talking to. On well, that I mean, that, that's incredible. I mean, because you said you're sceptical believer, mm. but at the same time, you had a conversation with a ghost. Yeah, and it's a relevant conversation as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know. It's not a word that yeah. you're going to pull out of the air, is it, on a no. regular basis? No. I mean, these apps are incredible. The app you're talking about, Vox, I've got it. I've never used it. Yeah, I mean, part of it, a lot, a lot of the sounds you get on it, you just think, oh, that's somebody's car radio, and you've just got a snippet of yeah. something going by. But this, this was responses to questions and the five as well like how many are you five and it was really clear because a lot of them you hear these evps and you're like what did they say and yeah and then someone says oh they said this and you're like oh yeah but actually that's just your brain going and trying to figure out what it is that's been said so um so yeah that was that was good um we had a table tipping session now i am very much on the fence about this activity we were i think there was eight of us sat around and we were told it was like a little one of those tv tables that you can flip up when you want to use it so it's quite lightweight yeah. i'm a dubious because it would be so easy for somebody to have their finger and be pressing it yeah um there's also when you talk about energy and i'm no physicist at all i find it blows my mind but i would imagine that because that energy is transferable that if you're all putting a lot of energy into something you might be able to kind of is it telekinesis but to sort of move it with your with the power of the energy around you so it might not be anything paranormal at all no don't know no and i mean um, the, the challenge i think as well and i've been on invest organized investigations with 20 people let's say the same as what you have yeah and you're being asked to put absolute faith in a bunch of complete strangers that nobody's going to be moving yeah. anything for the sake of doing it. it's the same as doing anything like that like ouija board or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. that's why i prefer to do investigations with small groups of people who i know yeah. I oh, yeah. I mean, our little group of four, I trust. Yes. We were all there of like, no, we really want to find some proper evidence yeah. here. We want to be believers. So I, I trust them. And there was another couple who came down from Manchester and they seemed, my gut feeling was they were quite sound and not yeah. up there. They were there for the same reason. And they were part of our group. Um, and then there was another couple who seemed fine. But like you say, you can't really know for sure. No. Um, 
But they were asking, the hosts were asking us to whip up this energy and we were sort of supposed to be shouting, you know, tip the table, tip the table. I just find it a bit embarrassing. And um, me and Rash ended up just getting to the point where we just couldn't, like, <laughs> we <Yeah>. stopped. <laughs> and the table was tipping. It wasn't going crazy. It was definitely tipping. But again, let's take this activity with a bit of a pinch of salt and say, I'm not so sure. Um, apparently the other group had, it was going quite wild and it was actually jumping off the floor. If that was the case, that's a bit harder for a person to actually make happen if it's actually all four yeah. legs. Were yeah, yeah, def floor. definitely. So, uh, yeah, so that's one. I think after that there was another break and this is when we went up into the bishop's room, which is the one, that, the room that is supposed to have the most activity. Yeah. And if you look back in uh, any interviews with John, the previous owner, this is the room where the succubus is supposed to, or incubus is supposed to have been. It's the one where the cavalier has been seen it's supposedly the one where the person who had their head thrust into the fire and was yeah. killed that was supposed to have happened in there and there's a lot of sort of activity has been reported in that room we went in there they had what was called an alice box which basically as far as i can see a laptop that was just spitting up random words and again i was skeptical but what did happen in that room, I is the biggest thing of the night that I, I just can't, still to this day, I cannot, I can't logically write it off as I don't know why. So this is what happened. We were all sat, there was a couple of people on beds, a couple of people in chairs, and Michelle, who was the lady from Manchester, she was sat in one of the chairs, and they were talking to the Alice box and she suddenly started going, oh, I don't feel well, you know, I feel really weird. Oh, um, and one of the hosts said, are you okay? And we all sort of looked at her. It was dark in the room, the lights were out, but said before there's street lights on the light out on the road outside. So there's kind of a muted light. And she said, yeah, no, I've got to get out, I've got to get out. And one of the hosts took her downstairs now her husband was with us he didn't actually go with her and decided to stay in the room okay and um he decided to sit down on this chair and we must have been there it was a matter of minutes and suddenly he leapt up he was kind of gagging and choking and almost you know that kind of like I'm going to be sick yeah and he left the room sharpish and you go out of the room down a few stairs and there's a bathroom and we could hear him like retching as if he was going to be sick and it was really weird it was almost like a reaction to we were like oh it's that chair what's you know what's going on what's affected them two um so Steve, one of our group, then went, oh, we were all like, anyone want to sit in the chair? And I was like, no, thank you. Um, Steve said, I will, I will. Now, he didn't have he didn't have to jump up and leave the room, but he did say he felt like something was compressing his chest while he was there, like squeezing on it, um, pressing around that sort of area. And so... There's three people that have had this weird feeling in this chair. So being skeptical, you could say, well, Michelle came over funny. It was psychosomatic that her husband had that happen. And then Steve was expecting it to happen. So he felt the compression on his chest. That session ended. The other group that we had not seen between these two um, vigils, we went off to another room. And this other group went in there and we didn't know where they'd been and what they'd been up to. And they didn't know what we'd been up to. But we could hear as they were sat in their room, somebody getting up, choking, gagging, running out of the room, wow. retching in yeah. the toilet. And we all looked at each other and we went, oh my God, do you think that he sat in, that person sat in that chair? And the host at the time was like, no, 
don't worry about what the other group are doing, concentrate on what we're doing. So we carried on. And then we heard another person with similar sort of noises. And there's footsteps, they'd obviously left the room. So at the end of our time in the witch's room, which we felt was not a lot happened, it was very quiet. Yeah. We went downstairs, we saw this other group and we said, what happened? We heard it. And, and, and it turns out that two of their members had sat in that very chair. The chair, the chair, commas, and had exactly the same feelings of almost being their heart being sort of pushed, their chest restriction, feelings around their throat, making them want to throw up and be sick or be choked. Now, how if it had been one group, you could explain it. How two groups that didn't know about each other's activities, so five people. Why did that happen? And they all sat in that one particular chair in that room. It's an interesting one. Because, I mean, you're right. If it was one group, you could say, okay, well, look, the third person sitting on the chair mm. has seen two other people do it. So it could be just a... a, a it's in your some, head. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're sitting yeah. down thinking this is what's going to happen to me. But with that other group not even knowing which chair the chair was, yeah, it's an interesting one. So that one I'm struggling mm. to explain away. Um, I don't know. And it was in that room we had some alone time later, and I wasn't actually with Simon at this point, but he said he was pretty sure. I think he was with Michelle, actually, and it was a bit earlier in the evening before the chair incident. But he said he felt like there was somebody tickling. He'd say, is anyone you know, with us, make yourself yeah. known. And he could feel something tickling the back of his head, like ruffling the back of his hair and his neck. And um, so again, you could say, well, you probably just make it up, but he didn't, there was nothing else. No. I believe what he felt happened. Yeah. 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 The bishop's so rooms. incredible witness. Yeah, the bishop's <laughs> rooms, I'd give anything to spend a night there alone. Well, you're braver than I. Just um, to see, just to see. Yeah. You know, like with everything that I've read about it, everything I've heard about it, I think it would be fascinating mm. to spend even just some time in that room alone. I think you've got to come and do a trip down south at some point. It's a long, long way. I mean, I definitely will. I definitely <laughs> will. Yeah, I think it would be really, really fascinating to be in that particular location with a much smaller group. Yeah. So I quizzed the hosts because I was obviously also looking for a bit of fodder for my blog. Mm-hmm. And one of the ladies, she said, she said, it is weird here. She said, you know, I'm here before the group arrives and I'm here locking up at the end. And she said, you do feel like there's people watching you, watching what you're doing. There are presents, there's something there. And she said, it's a more, much more sinister feel when you're mm. there on your own. Yeah. And I can believe that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think, again, how much of that is going to be in your head, knowing what you yeah. know about the building and the reputation that it has. But at the same mm. time, if that's something that you do over and over and over again, yeah, at what point would that like fear factor or like hangover of the stuff that you've heard about the place disappear because you've done it a hundred times before without anything happening so i mean yeah yeah it looks like an incredible an incredible place to to spend a few hours after dark and that experience with the chair Mm. that 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 was the weirdest I, i i don't know how you would explain that i'm struggling and the cat balls were going off randomly at times when everybody sat still and it's not on it's nowhere that it's rolling about and they were sort of being lit up command and um, actually going back to the barn one of the hosts the ladies actually did say to me that she felt since john had died the previous owner yeah apparently when when he was alive he used to the the place was quite well known as being haunted and people would go along just off the cuff before ghost hunting became a thing yeah or paranormal evenings whatever you want to call them 
and he people would just arrive and he liked a bit of company so he'd just say yeah come in and he'd apparently pull a curtain around the sofa where he used to sleep and say just go off and investigate on your own so he'd let these strangers come into his house and then he'd say if you want to leave us a fiver you know put it in the pot on the way out but he wasn't that bothered and i think he just liked people coming in so he could chat to them but what she did say is one of his little tricks apparently was people would go into the barn and he'd run out the front door and go around and knock on the barn door to like frighten them oh uh, yeah and then run back round into the lounge and she said since he's died she's been there a few times and they've heard that rapping on they've been in the barn and they've had that rapping on the barn door mm. so she thinks he's still there yeah well i mean he spent nearly 50 years of his life there didn't he yeah. so why he not place yeah, yeah yeah why not i mean i think it, it sounds like you had a an interesting evening mm. yeah. yeah it definitely was but i think when i then came home and started researching it and i started listing all the apparent sort of ghosts that are there and looking into it what I do think we have to be a bit sceptical of and what I do think has happened is that it's, there's definitely stuff there that we can't explain, but I'm not sure that the full catalogue of ghosts that are claimed to be there are there. For example, the monks. I couldn't find any evidence of any priory or any sort of places that monks would have lived very close there. I have had actually someone email me this week saying that she had read the blog and she lived locally and there was a monastery about four miles away which could explain the possible sightings of monks but you know what's their connection to the building I don't know the yeah. laughing cavalier the succubus that's been proven to be sort of sleep paralysis hasn't it now they think when you when you go to sleep um you could be in a very deep sleep and your brain will deactivate your body muscles in a way, stop you injuring yourself. But what can happen is that you can partially awake, but part of your brain almost doesn't wake up your body. So you're conscious, but your body isn't moving. And you have this feeling that something sat on you or stopping you moving. And that's when these people are explaining they think that this yeah, old house yeah. syndrome, succubus, that kind of makes sense to me. And John was, he was the only one that's really reported this succubus activity. So again, is that something he's kind of created to add to the atmosphere? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who and there's knows? a lot of that in the place. It's apparently on a pagan burial site. Apparently, yes. Uh, well, there's streams running underneath the building, so water. Yeah. So who would be burying? You wouldn't be able to bury bodies, would you? If there's waterways all under the building? Yeah, that was another paranormal writer who mentioned it as MJ Whalen, who's quite, she's quite well known and a bit like us, you know, she doesn't believe everything she hears. So, no. um, and she think, was the one I think that only a fool that. would believe everything that they hear. Yeah, well, there's a few of them around, maybe. But um, so she said that, and also the there's definitely certainly a grave been found there, and there was I think it was a lady and two children, and there was evidence of sort of a dagger. Yeah, and they've said, oh, this is a, a pagan. This is a, one of the pagan burials. Well, certainly something sinister's gone on because this ground, this grave has been found within the building, and it's yeah. it's now uncovered. Yeah, does it? mean that there was lots of bodies buried there and witchcraft and things like that not really the people that who touted it as being a burial a pagan burial site i believe were diviners so they have they kind of just made their own conclusion there's no sort of archaeological evidence of this no that i've found maybe there is um, feel free to prove me wrong, any listeners or anyone reading the blog. But I'm just putting it out there as a, a maybe, maybe it's not the truth. Yeah. <laughs> but but for knows? sure, there's something, something awful's gone on there because there wouldn't be people buried. No, and there were supposedly children found buried within the yeah, in, 
like underneath the staircase as well. Well, I think it was in this pit that's now open, which is in the bar uh, back yeah, bar I, I area. Yeah, I read about I read about two different ones. I read about when oh, okay. in the late sixties when the building got bought by John, and he yeah. was renovating it. There was some remains of children found beneath the staircase, and then oh, okay. in the nineties. Apparently, there was a group of ghost hunters there who said that they'd heard about a secret passageway beneath the, like, kitchen bar area. And John had said, yeah, "Yeah, that's fine, dig it up. And they stumbled across the remains of, well, what I read was a woman and a child. And there was pieces of iron in with the skeletons. And they got sent off to Bristol Museum, who then said, oh, this will have been part of an iron dagger. And then people have said, oh, right, okay, well, it must have been human sacrifice then. Well, certainly something sinister, but we don't know what happened, do we? I mean, a lot of these old pubs have tunnels underneath them that go Mm -hmm. to the local church because I believe the clergy at the time weren't really supposed to be seen to be drinking. So they had the, there's certainly a lot in Salisbury, um, which is my local town, and they link from the cathedral to some of the old pubs. So that the priests or vicars of the time, the holy men, can come and go without everyone seeing them. Another cheeky place. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's not to say there aren't tunnels under there somewhere that may have been tunnels. Yeah, Um, well, um, I mean, it's a a very intriguing building. And I am really glad that it was saved from the proposed demolition of it back yes. in the 60s before John bought it because he bought it for something yeah. like £2,600 because it was in I such know, a state. Final question then. Would you say that the ancient ramen is haunted? I think... Oh, gosh. I mean, it's a, it's a hell put of a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put me on the spot. Um, yes, there's certainly something there that we cannot explain. But I don't know what it is, and no. that's my answer. <laughs> no, so, I mean, I, I, I kind of thought that that's the side of the fence you'd fall down on because everything you've said, if I'd experienced the same things and I couldn't explain them away, I wouldn't be able to say anything. But probably yes. Yeah. So, no, and, I mean, um, it's, it sounds as though it sounds like a fascinating evening. That's definitely somewhere that I want to spend a night myself. Yeah, and um, so Steve, one of our group, he's been there four times. Four times. And he said he's had loads of things happen. I think that was his liveliest evening. But he really likes going there because he said there's always something going on that you can't really explain. And if you're going to go looking for ghosts, where better? Yeah, I would recommend it. Um, If you're ever down Gloucester Way, go and have a look. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And maybe if you spend another night there, we can catch up again in the future. Or well, you never know. Maybe I might join you if you ever make it down. (laughs) Exactly, I'll give you a shout before you go. And 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 as I say, thank you so much for joining us, Emma. Where can people Mm. find your blog? Where can people get in touch with you? Okay, so my blog is weird-wiltshire.co.uk. Um, so there's always lots of stories. It's mainly strange and unusual tales from Wiltshire and beyond because just write what I write about what I feel like. Mm-hmm. I'm also quite often found chatting about ghosts on Twitter and my handle is at weird, capital W, weird Wilts blog. So you can find me that way as well, hopefully. Um, I'll pop them all and, in the um, podcast description as well. Thank you, and um, thanks so much for having me on. I love a spooky chat. Thank you so much for joining me once again. You can follow How Haunted on Twitter at at HowHauntedPod, or over on Instagram at HowHauntedPod, where you will see photos galore relating to the ancient ramen. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by visiting the website www.how-haunted.com or you can email me direct at rob at how-haunted.com. Feedback, location suggestions and your own experiences are all more than welcome. Feel free to ask me any questions you like and I'll answer them all on a dedicated Q&A episode. 
If you'd like to support the show and get early access to episodes, you can join the Patreon for less than the price of a pint. You'll also get exclusive episodes where you'll join me on an actual paranormal investigation and hear the audio as it happened. The first of these is out and features Chillingham Castle. If you aren't a fan of Patreon, or would perhaps prefer to make a one-off donation to the podcast, why not buy me a coffee? All the information on how you can support How Haunted is in the podcast description and over on the website. If you've enjoyed this episode, if enjoy is the right word, then please subscribe and review the podcast on your podcast provider of choice. I have a copy of my book Ghosts of Edinburgh up for grabs. If you'd like to enter, all you need to do is leave How Haunted, a podcast review on iTunes, or whatever podcatcher you use. Then drop me a mail at rob at how-haunted.com to let me know. The competition will end on Halloween 2022, and the winner will be announced on Twitter and the first podcast episode after the closing date. Next time out, we'll be headed north, back to the northeast of England and to a public house which in 2004 made worldwide news when a psychic night for charity was the catalyst for a series of events so incredible and so horrifying that the Discovery Channel turned it into an episode for their A Haunting series. Not only will I tell you what happened at this rather unassuming pub, but you'll hear it firsthand, as the psychic at the centre of the events joined me for a detailed conversation about just what happened that night. A night that would change her life forever. We'll find out all about it together next week, as we take a look at the Chief Public House. Thank you so much for accompanying me for our paranormal adventures once again. Stay safe, and join me next time, when we will once again ask the question... How haunted.